Folks, we're on Twitter now. The Movie Fellas has its own Twitter page, Nick. And I want all of our fans to follow us, subscribe to us. We're going to be having updates on Twitter as well, along with, our, of course, our YouTube channel. We're going big time, Nick. First Twitter, and then Nilbog, and then the world. we got to get through Nilbog first. What do you think? So Nilbog is our obstacle of ruling the world, is what you're saying? Yes. I didn't know Joe Biden was a goblin. No. Oh. <laughs> Today we're going to continue. I know we said we're done, but... No, we're done with Shalom, Shalaman. We're done with Shalaman, but we're continuing with more Bruce Willis because, hey, Shalaman, he's going to make more movies. His career is still ongoing, but Bruce Willis apparently is done, so now it's the time to really celebrate his career. You know, go back in the, arch- go back in the archives a few weeks ago, Sixth Sense. Like, Nick, did a, he did a twist ending. His twist ending was liking the movie and then, and then shitting on the movie at the end with the, his final star rating, so... <sighs> Now he did a Shalham twist on the, the podcast. The twist was, it may be a good movie, but I don't see much of a rewatchability between now and 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And Even though I got the Blu-ray now. Uh-huh. And, and it's all in the past. I remember that movie better than what I remember it now. So, as we mentioned, continuing with the Bruce Willis retrospective, going deep into his filmography, I was looking at his IMDb. This week was my pick, and I hadn't seen this movie in a while. And if I was in the mood, so I thought it'd be worth revisiting The Last Boy Scout, which I actually thought had bombed at the box office and thought that nobody had seen it. But in Googling it, it turns out, and from Nick's research also, it turns out it's actually a pretty well-known big movie from back in the day and has many articles and retrospectives about it. I thought it was like a little-known gem that I knew about, but apparently the world is further along than I thought. So, you know what that just means? That just means you, sir, have been holed up in your house watching movies way too much. Yes. That you don't even know what the outside world around you is doing. You know, that I wanna, is me with video games. And you know, it's <laughs> funny is, I want to blame the pandemic, but it started way before the pandemic. I can't even blame that. I've been in the house watching movies for years. Last Boy Scout from 1991. Now, just to give some quick background, which Nick, you can add on if I miss anything here, but the writer of Lethal Weapon... Mm-hmm had um, submitted a draft for Lethal Weapon 2, which was a darker version of Lethal Weapon 2 from what we ended up seeing. And even though he was so successful with the first Lethal Weapon, they rejected his script for part two because they'd made a decision to go dark and kill off Mel Gibson, which would have killed the franchise, but might have been interesting to see how he did it, so... Uh, something tells me he just would have died in the scene where they throw him in the ocean. Well, no, the thing is, once they rejected the script, somebody came in and did a whole new script. So I don't. So think... they didn't even take anything from the old script into this. No, they would have had to credit him. I think they they did a whole new thing, basically. Uh, okay. Um, Which doesn't matter. I, I love Lethal Weapon too. Oh yeah, it's a very like I don't know what he would have done with it, and killing off Mel Gibson is weird, but. Lethal Weapon 2 is one of the more highly respected sequels. People so speaking movie. of killing off Mel Gibson, the series does kill off Riggs, but that was because the actor almost killed Damon Wayans. Uh, nobody's really seen the TV show anyways. That's fine. I've seen the first two seasons. It's not like that's, that's about it. It's not like that's canon or anything. So That's fair. It's <laughs> not. Although, yes, knowing this history, I understand that Damon Wayans plays in Lethal Murtaugh Weapon. Murtaugh That's in the Lethal pretty Weapon interesting. Series. So... To get very even weirder, the original, he had started working on the script and the original title was Die Hard. And then I guess he talked to Joel Schumacher and Joel Schumacher stole the name and made Die Hard. I don't know. Um, and Which then, is fine because Die Hard's a fun movie. And then the other weird thing is that apparently 
Mel Gibson was offered the lead role in Die Hard, and Bruce Willis was offered the lead role in Lethal Weapon. I'm kind of glad we got what we got because uh, can you really picture Bruce Willis fighting against Gary Busey or getting the shit kicked out of him from the guy from Lethal Weapon 2? Nope. Something tells me the minute he gets kicked the first time by no-name villain in Lethal Weapon 2, I forgot his damn name. It's been so long. Uh, he would have looked him right in the eye and went, you touch me again, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, if it was... Uh... So this character, yeah. Um, all right, so isn't that every Bruce Willis character? Wow. Like, I mean, even Die Hard. He's very in this movie. Last Boy Scout. He's very similar to John McClane from Die Hard, but a, it's a, he's a little bit more on the edge than John McClane. I would say. Well, that's because John McClane's trying to patch stuff up with his wife. This this guy Joe doesn't give two shits about his wife. Yeah, he's he's closest to Die Hard with Avengers John McClane, who actually also wakes up hungover at the beginning of Die Hard with Avengers and. <laughs> as we see him here. Shane Black rejected from Lethal Weapon 2, then would sell this script for Last Boy Scout at a record. It was the most money ever made from a script at that time, uh, broken a few years later by Basic Instinct. So I want to say something. We got So Shane Black is the writer of this Lethal Weapon and that god-awful Predator movie that just came out a few years ago. The guy had a great reputation until The Predator, which I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot of bad shit about. So why would he go from making these dark, gritty movies to then getting to a movie series that's supposed to be dark and gritty and turning it into a full-blown comedy? So there is a weird reason for it. He doesn't want to be dark and gritty anymore? No, 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 no. He has a connection to the Predator franchise. Well, yeah, he played in the first Predator. Exactly. Doesn't mean he has to turn it into a comedy. I, yeah, I don't think his style of comedy is right for the Predator franchise. <laughs> so it was just a bad fit in general. So I'm, I'm not surprised it went sideways. Yeah, just picture Shane I don't want to see the wisecracking stuff in a Predator movie. Right, so. but still, picture Shane Black from the, from when he wrote this movie. You even you even brought up it was actually, the original script was darker until they rewrote a few things. Mm-hmm. And the script for part two, if we ever got that, was actually rejected because of how dark it was. So why wouldn't that Shane Black come in for a Predator movie? Yeah, but he changed over the years. Um, he did The Nice Guys with Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, where it was a much lighter comedy. So I think he just changed over the years. I mean, that's a huge gap. The Predator came out, what, a couple years ago? Yeah. This movie's 1991. He probably changed over the course of 30 freaking years. So he's not the same guy. So He, he also did. Um, the same guy. He also did the first draft of Last Action Hero, which I love also. That was, that was a decent Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, non-speak, uh, notwithstanding his recent developments, he was the hottest writer of the early 90s, coming off Lethal Weapon in and, and the 90s pretty much was, was one of the hottest writers. So, uh, so this movie was uh, sold for big time, and then they were able to get Bruce Willis, who's coming off Die Hard 2 at this point, and he was actually hesitant to do the movie because I think he actually felt like it was too much, too similar to Die Hard, to be honest. Um, I don't. I don't feel like it's too similar to Die Hard. I think it's similar to Lethal Weapon. Well, the character he's playing, I think he does feel is like you know similar. Pretty much to same act, same character. Yeah. Um, but you had a powerhouse team here. You had um, Tony Scott, who we recently did the fan, and he was the director here. And we had uh, Joe Schumacher. Did Joe Schumacher? Schumacher. Schumacher. You can say that name better than I can. 
He did a whole rack of action movies in the 90s as a producer. Didn't Joel Schumacher also do the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? Probably. I, I think he, or at least I think maybe the very first one. I don't know. He's done. If you look up his, his filmography as a producer, he's produced a lot. Now, the problem is when you have Bruce Willis, Shane Black. And Damon Wayans. No, Schumacher. No. And um, Tony Scott. Mm. So these are four very powerful people on set. Mm. So the idea was, according to at least the director, Tony Scott and Schumacher, is that there was too many... Oh, actually, I should say, according to Shane... Actually, you know what? To kill this whole thing. I'll come back to this later because this stuff you should talk about at the end of the movie, not actually before we actually go through it. And probably there's still certain parts you want to leave that bit for. Yeah. So how about we get to the opening scene of Friday night is the best night for football. Yep. You know who the, the football player in this opening scene is? It's Billy Blanks from Tybo fame. He's a good martial artist, actually, too. Well, why didn't he use martial arts instead of pulling out a fucking gun? Because, I mean, eventually he's going to kill himself. He didn't want to cry chop himself in the throat, so. Seriously, ima- imagine him sitting there fucking doing Romeo Must Die football style. <laughs> this was um, a very original football scene, for sure. Yeah, because all of a sudden, pulls out that gun, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, he lost, then said, he lost well, it. Then it's like, life's a bitch, bang. I mean, look, I mean, this movie has a dark tone. That's some dark shit. Well, the real question I got is, so we meet Marcone in this scene, and he even says Billy Cole is playing the game of his life. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, if that was the case, why did your henchman Milo call him and say, start making touchdowns or your career's over? Mm. So explain to me, if he's having the game of his life, that signifies he's doing good. Apparently he's not doing as good as you either want or he's actually not doing good and you're lying. Yep, pretty much. Um, so we meet our hero, anti-hero. Joe. Joe Hollenbach. Who pulls a gun on a kid. Hey, they're messing with him while he's trying to sleep in the car. I mean, what's the guy supposed to do? Well, what's funny is he doesn't even flinch when the squirrel gets thrown at him. I'm half, I'm half wondering if he's actually asleep or if he's pretending just to see what these kids would do. According to what he told Mike, he thinks he fucked the squirrel to death and just doesn't remember. That's what I'm saying, man. That squirrel looked pretty torn up, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so, um, but uh, we, we establish him as a... Asshole. Uh, a drunken, drunk. hungover, sleeping in his car, private detective, private eye. Which he gets a call when he gets to his office from his buddy Mike about a job. Actually, to correct, as we learn later in the movie, it's actually his best friend. Yep. Although he, he also admits that all private eyes are assholes. Yep. So there's two assholes that are talking on the phones. Yep. But here's... So... Yeah, we got to talk about the strategy here on Mike's part because this is not just a coincidental phone call. There's a lot going on here, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot going on here, which I guess we should wait until the actual reveal to bring it up. Yeah. So we get to Joe saying, okay, I'll meet you in an hour. I just need to get myself ready. He says, I got to... He says, he actually says... To be exact, he says, I have, to, I have to run a few errands, but we'll meet um, at the office in an hour. Okay, well, and what errand does Joe have to do? Go home. He has to go to his house. Yep. Because he has to pick up some things, check on his wife, has a daughter there. Get his gun. Yeah, perfectly reasonable. So he shows up at his house, and he's talking to his wife, and they're having normal husband-wife conversation. Hey, where's the daughter at? 
Uh, uh, she she is acting like a little whore. You gonna let her start sleeping when she's fourteen? I think right in this first thing is where I start to notice that the dialogue is so special. You have to listen to every line because it's so hilarious. Everything he's saying in every scene is funny. And then he notices the seat toilet is up. And so either his wife grew a pair of balls. Yes. Or there's a man in the house. Another thing too is that the he can tell that someone just used the shower. And her hair is dry, so it couldn't have been her. Yep. So he looks under the bed, no one's there, and then he looks her square in the eye and went, who's the guy in the closet? And she reveals immediately that there's someone in the closet because the look in her face is like of pure fear. And then she recovers and is like, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? You're crazy. It's like, I'm a detective. Did you forget? Now who's the guy in the closet? And by the way, she doesn't address, like he talks about the toilet seat and that. She doesn't address those points. She just says... You're crazy. You're losing it, Joe. It's like, well, if he's wrong, then address his points. But you can't because he's right. Yeah. So, so he does the only thing a rational man would do. He threatens to put a couple bullets in the closet on if she doesn't fess up by the count of three. In which case, Mike comes out of the closet. And not in the way you might think. He physically actually comes out of the closet. You weren't being um, meta- no. metaphorical there. No, I wasn't. He, he was literally in the closet, people. Don't don't take it as he was in love with Joe Holland. All right, now let's go back to the phone call from a little while ago. Yeah, Joe... <sighs> so, so, okay, okay, okay. So Mike did have a reason to call Techly, but his real reason was to find about Joe's whereabouts? Yes. So the real question I got is, Mike... So obviously, if Joe answers his phone in the office... Means he is back in his hometown. Yeah. But he says, I got some errands to run, me being an hour. So Mike stupidly takes that as, oh, he's, that, doesn't, that means he's not coming home. He's going to be at CVS buying Exeteran or something. The first thing <laughs> I'd be doing is just assuming this man's been out for a couple of days because it sounds like he was gone for a few days. It's like, this guy's been out for a couple of days. First place he's going to go is come home. The boldness after that phone call, Mike jumped in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if I'm at the house, I'm like, even if I'm staying at the house for a minute, I'm like looking out the window every few minutes. I'm on edge. No, no, I would have just left. Yeah, I would have just left, right. This man going to jump in the shower and take a long, hot, steaming shower. <laughs> like, the, the balls of this guy. Like, seriously. Like, he was asking to get caught, so... He didn't well, take a lot of detective work. He just came to his house and found him. So. Right. So uh, this is how you know they were friends because throughout the while inside the house, Joe doesn't scream, doesn't get pissed off, just says it's a few of the same jokes that the guy said about the hooker he's supposed to be defending. Well, and, well, Mike uses the argument of it just happened, and he says, "Oh yeah, you just you fell down and your, your dick your dick fell into my wife. Like <laughs> right. could happen to anybody." Yeah. So I I, I, I think that. What's inferred here to me is that him and his wife are basically sort of separated anyways, it feels like. They're not really together, per se, or, it's, or they're on their last leg anyways. So it doesn't feel like um, some huge betrayal to him. It feels like a natural progression of... Which he even states that he had, he had his doubts. He had his suspicions about it. The thing is, people are weird sometimes. I've seen it happen before sometimes where... If that happens, he could have been putting the blame more on her than him, actually. Mm. He could have been thinking, oh, well, you know, she could have came on to him or whatever. 
So I don't know if I don't know if he puts a betrayal mostly on him or on her. Well, he does get his he, Joe does get his payback when they're out in the lawn. He goes head or gut, and Mike immediately knew what he was talking about. So he goes gut because he got a big gut, so they can absorb the punch. But it still looked painful. Though. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because most likely Joe would have smacked him right in the diaphragm, and the big guy would have lost his breath. Yeah, do that to me, I'd have an asthma attack. <laughs> but in hindsight, the proper question would have been. Hen, or the proper question would have been head, gut, or blown to pieces. Because poor Mike Gets took the gut punch, goes to his car, and was destined to blow to, being blown to smithereens. Yep, Mike, go boom! And, um, and you made a good point before when we were watching it. Um, when the wife comes out, she does immediately... Scream for Joe. Yeah. She doesn't scream for Mike. It would have been awkward if she came like, Mike! That right. would have been awkward. Yeah, but no, she goes out and starts screaming for Joe... Which proves that she actually does still care about him. Yeah. And her... She, she, her argument was, hey, you're never around. I'm, I was lonely. Get a dog. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not an exclusive cheat for sure. I mean, if, if you're always home and I guess don't have a job, all your, your only job is to take care of the kid. Well, what makes that dog. weird is like, yeah, you have your kid though too. It's like, <laughs> you're, are you that lonely? You have your daughter there. So. Well, I mean, when we see Darian, I'll ask you this question later. <laughs> Um, anyway. well, she's not the typical little girl. Yeah. So anyway, uh, how about we jump to Jimmy real quick, get to meet our other main character, played by Damon Wayne. Yep, Damon Wayne's. Either way. Plural, Wayne's. Damon Wayne's. I didn't know he was three people in one. No, that's just his name. His last name is Wayne's. With uh, either way, so... Uh, He's playing Jimmy, who, as Joe will eventually call out... He's not on the team no more. Football player who shit away his talent. Which, by the way, Joe is trying to drown a woman because she will not blow him. Wait, wait, not Joe. I'm talking about... The big guy. Yeah, it's not Joe. That's someone else. Either one. I, I, I forgot some, what they called him. Some random asshole jock uh, dude Since is, we're going to see him at least one more time, let's call him Gary. Gary's uh, trying to force his girl to do stuff in the pool. Which is drowning her, by the way. And Jimmy shows that his arm is still A-OK. Yeah, and his aim is impeccable, which I feel like is going to come in handy later in the movie. I'm kind of surprised this guy didn't die from that hit. That looked like a pretty solid hit to the nose, which would have shoved his nose right into his brain. Well, the thing is, footballs are not like soft balls. <laughs> a football is a hard, especially a pumped-up football. Yeah. Like, it can hurt your hands if it's thrown hard at your hands. So that hitting you in the face, yeah, that's like a broken orbital bone, orbital bone slash nose slash brain damage like like if um if there was a Friday 30 movie where Jason just threw the football at the guy and him in the face and killed him it's that would have been a reasonable death scene <laughs> it would have been like hey that killed him be like yeah Jason throwing the football at you that will kill you so speaking of which I uh watched a movie uh called I think it was Camp Fear and uh a girl kills a guy by throwing a baseball at him and his head just explodes and she was not superhuman, by the way, I should mention. Um, anyway, back to this movie. Yeah, you know, that was a, that was a fun fact. You know, my, my camp fear is when you go off topic. So that's my camp fear. So you just expose my camp fear. So. Um, so let's get to the strip club. Where we meet a very young... Halle Berry. Halle Berry, who... Um, is stripping. Is stripping and also... So we should go back for a second. When Mike first called... We didn't actually mention this. When Mike called... Joe, initially, it was because he was offering him a job. Hey, this girl, she feel like she's she feel like she she feels like she's being followed. 
can you take over looking after her? 500 bucks. 500 bucks, which he accepts. Um, and now he's there to just track Halle Berry and see what's going on. And that draws the suspicion of Jimmy, who is her girlfriend, her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And Even though he's already cheated on her. Yes. Multiple times, I might add. But we may find out that maybe she did cheat also. Well, I mean, she's a whore. <laughs> she's, uh, she gets paid a guarantee most strip clubs they also they, they have the uh, illegal activities in the back where the women get extra payment let's just say that you know I appreciate the casting but Halle Berry is a little bit too attractive for this role <laughs> in my opinion so yeah we get this funny funny uh, opening dialogue with where Joe and Jimmy meet each other and, uh, I always love the first meetings in these movies. It's just funny because the dialogue is so snappy and so fun. He's like, um, they're both kind of standoffish, but Jimmy's like just like trying to like basically tell him he's not shit, and you know, I need I need to know what's going on. If my girlfriend's being followed. In a sense, they're both also getting a read on each other, where Jimmy loses his battle of composure. Well, because Joe knows who he is. He says, "Hey, you're." Calls out of the years he played, even quarterback, 89, 90, shit away your talent, basically, and you get the funny, now I'm pissed off. But they, the movie does a good job of showing how badass Joe is because Jimmy, who is a former athlete, can't right. even get a punch in. Right, he just grabs his fist, throws him down, and then notices his whiskey's gone. He's like, well, there goes my warm bottle of piss. I, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost hard to believe, though, but all right, I'll buy it. Because wasn't Jimmy standing up? Yes. Standing up through a punch to Joe, who's sitting down. Believe it or not, it's actually still fairly easy. Yeah, if Jimmy would have gotten that hit in, it would have done some damage. But you're sitting, you're composed, catch the fist. You you still have a good amount of composure behind you. You're not getting forced back from this guy. He threw him to the ground. <laughs> well, he also stood up a little bit to do it. Okay, all right. As long as he stood up a little bit. Yeah, he still stood up a little bit to kind of be able to get his fist under him so that way he could push him. I think it also shows that probably... I don't think Jimmy was throwing like a hard punch per se. I don't think his heart was in the punch. I mean, he's most likely throwing a punch meant for a club in this setting. It might have been even like a slap he was trying to throw. Most likely, but you know, in these kind of movies though, I've noticed any little bit of damage, you're bleeding. Which and in this probably, case, probably is more realistic than the counter. Which in this case, Jimmy's ego was bleeding because he grabs Halle Berry, runs into the soak the the back room I was talking about where his shirt's off. She's barely wearing anything, which tells me he just paid a little extra. Yeah, and you know what's funny is like you would think that what just happened would have impressed Jimmy, but when he's talking to Halle Berry outside, she's like, "Let's wait for the detective." And he's like. He ain't uh, shit. He's like, that guy? He can't do shit? Huh? What's he, he ain't do? shit. He can't do shit. I can protect you. Come on, get in your car. I'll get him out. I'll follow you home. He actually says, he says, I'll bitch slap him. <laughs> Funny line. And I, she even's like, oh, you'll bitch slap him like, like what you did earlier. Yeah, you know, so this whole scene, I got two problems. One thing is, she's being very cautious. You can tell she's actually worried. Up until they decide to leave. Yeah, but even then, she's like saying, let's wait for the detective, all this stuff. So, 
first of all, taking two separate cars, that seems a little bit off, given the situation. If she actually feels like she's a danger, I feel like she would probably like want to take one car. The other thing is, when the thing happens, basically, if she's on edge like that, I don't know if she'd actually get out of her car. See, that's... Uh... And, and, and it's a quick fix, because from a riding standpoint, they can still shoot her. She stays in the car, because right. they have machine guns. They don't need... It's like they want that visual of her flying over the car, but... I just get the and, feeling... And that, and that mindset, it's just she really jump out of her car and just like, hey, asshole, like... So I'm just wondering one small thing. Maybe it was in the script that she wasn't supposed to get out of the car, because even Jimmy's like, don't get out of your car. It's not needed. Like I said, <laughs> the machine gun, they just point, they shoot, you, she still gets killed, but it doesn't make her look like an idiot for getting out the car and just wandering towards them. Like... So, know. can we talk about Joe with the big black pimp guy? Yeah, because... He's, uh, fucking, he's just... He's hilarious. He just keeps talking about how he's fucked his wife and then finally gives him... Gives him he's like, hey, ask me how fat your wife is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, this is the the funniest way to, to to fight off someone trying to kill you is to make their ass laugh as a distraction and then kill them. Which is funny because... I mean, the guys that are like, enough of the wife shit. How fat is she? <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there making this guy just die laughing. I was like, well, at least he has a sense of humor. Because I, I probably would have shot felt, your ass. I felt bad for the guy because he like he shaked him in the throat with yeah. the thing. And the guy's like, you asshole. You bastard. And then some. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's hilarious. And then we get our gunfight where Jimmy slams into a guy. And... My wife didn't watch all of this movie. She just saw this part and went, oh, good. They have someone to question. Bruce was, bang. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is not a movie where, like, the, the bad guys are, are, like, anybody takes life. Like, all the bad guys die horribly. There's no uh, sympathy for henchmen. The henchmen are all basically treated like shit. Um I've, uh, be honest with you, Bruce Willis even treated like shit a little bit in this movie. Well, I say it's a dark movie. Like I said, in this kind of movie, typically I don't foresee Halle Berry getting blown to bits like that. So it's kind of a dark scene. But still, in order, it's just funny that Jimmy actually had one of the bad guys pinned. All they had to do is knock him out, take the gun, then they have him for questioning. No, Joe just decides to whack him. I think, you know, I think the thing is, too, is like, I think we have to understand, we have to remember also that Joe is actually not a cop. <laughs> he can't take someone to the precinct and question them. He's just a private eye. He so. can take him home. No. Yeah. No. He's got an office. He, he can only actually kill them or, you know, in the moment before the cops come, he can't do anything. The thing is, too, I think with Joe, his whole thing is like, I think his, his strategy is always, I think, like, if I don't kill him, this dude's going to show up later in the movie and try to kill me again. So let me get him right well, now. So does Joe know he's in a movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, but this is always a thing. Like, if you let the bad guys go, they show up three scenes later to kill you again. So. Uh, he could have killed them in his office, but like I said, at least get uh, some form of questioning. This movie does, again, I guess this Joe, movie does a great job of just like in, they introduce henchmen and then they die like in that scene. But then again, yeah, I guess Joe really doesn't care at the moment about going forward with the case. He just wants to make sure he's defended. Plus, he doesn't. 100% know that the girl's dead until he actually checks her after the gunfight. Well, a couple things happen. He, they're at the police station, and he tells Jimmy that, hey, this was a dangerous case that my friend Mike, or basically they, he reveals that she, hey, you know, Mike put me on the case because if I die, he gets to be with my wife. 
Yep. So and also uh, because we find out Mike is a scared piece of shit. Yeah. And so, but as they leave the police station, you're right. It's kind of like uh, Jimmy. Well, actually, Joe is still wanting to go back to her apartment to investigate a little bit. And Jimmy wants to tag along. Mm-hmm. Which um, we also find out a little bit more about Joe's backstory. He saved the president's life, which gets him the respect of one of the cops named Mick. And then you find out he lost his job because of Baynard because he punched four of his teeth out. Because Baynard was beating up a whore. Yeah, you know, it's funny, though. I feel like, um, as I think about it, though, that whole backstory, I'm not saying it's not needed. I think it is probably needed to a degree. But the whole thing with the president, I'm not sure if that's like really anything other than just extra. I think um, it was just for yeah, I guess a it's side. Just to show he used to be like an amazing something. Something else. tells me the side character, Mick, was supposed to be a little bit bigger in the original script. Yeah. But the way they, but he was only in a few scenes and then he dies. Yep. So something tells me he was supposed to be a little bit bigger because he was the one who was uh, actually respected him for saving the president's life. Yeah. I felt like that character was supposed to go do more. And I was kind of disappointed with that one. Well, there was a lot of changes in the script, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, they go back to um, her apartment and to find evidence. And, and Jimmy circumvents the security system by kicking the door down. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, he circumvented. Circumvented it. Uh, again. Vocabulary. Hilarious, hilarious dialogue. Um, so actually they find a tape there, which points to a big conspiracy between Marcone and Baynard. Right. And the evidence is there for them, but his fucking car eats of the tape. And then, uh, and that's when Joe realizes, Hey, she has two cars. That one wasn't wired. Oh shit. That one. This one is. (laughs) So they, they find the C4 in the car. And then they get confronted by the inventor of Scrabble. Yep. The inventor of Scrabble and the inventor of Hungry Hippos. Yes. I say that because, damn, this guy loves the whack. Yep. This is one of the funniest things ever, this whole scene. <laughs> Just the first line of like, hey, fuckface. It's like, no, I'm fuckface. He's asking. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy keeps saying stuff like, using big words, like, the situation's untenable. Yeah, and the guy and the Scrabble he, he dude. He attacks his job with a certain amount of exuberance. Yeah, and the Scra- <laughs> Scrabble dude is always like nervous. Like he's expecting something because he keeps scratching at himself. You can tell he's like playing with his ear. Yeah. It's just. And the big guy's just whack, whack. Finally, Jimmy gets tired of watching Joe get his ass handed to him. So he's like, hey, man, cut that out. Kicks him in the nuts. Yeah, and <laughs> it's so funny that these two funny henchmen. <laughs> Die right here in the scene. <laughs> There's like, you know, they're not like in the movie later on. They just die right here. It's funny. <laughs> he just like throws the key. Then Jack decides to shoot the car. With which one shot and it explodes like immediately. Well, that's because it has the, C, the C4 in it. Yeah, but that's really. It's kind of weird that he hit the C4 right away. That, that's what I'm saying. One shot instantly hits the C4. <laughs> just, there's a strong chance that it could have taken three or four or five shots to actually make that happen. So. Right, but so we get our C4 go boom, uh, in which oh. case we get another police station scene. Yeah, because <clears throat> every time these cops show up, fucking Joe, the, Joe is there and has a bunch of bunch of dead bodies. So. <laughs> uh, they're, I'm like, surprised they don't lock. They haven't locked them up yet. They keep letting them go. I'm like, 
Yeah, like he's not a cop. Like, why do you keep letting him go? Right. Um, so, but anyways, outside, he does give Jimmy the warning that, hey, real bullets, real guns, serious stuff. But they clearly are together on this. But I, one thing I don't understand, though, is they establish, okay, and then Joe is like, okay, we start tomorrow. Right now I'm going to go home, basically. Did you pick one of this? This didn't make sense to me. They go to his house. Why does Jimmy come in the house? It felt like the night's over. He's dropping him off, and now they're going. Like, why is he come in the house? Because that's what they did in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I just it, it didn't match up with the, the previous scene. He's like, we'll start tomorrow. Right now I'm going to go home and do something. And then they're driving. I'm like, cool. But then it's like he parks, like, and he's walking the house, and I'm like, Huh? You're starting tomorrow. Why are you coming in the house? It's, so, it didn't really add up to me at all. Yep. So we get, uh, we finally get to meet Daniel Harris. The MVP of the movie. The MVP of any B-rate horror movie because, she, you know, she's amazing. You know, if I have kids, I, I'm not saying that I don't have a daughter, but this movie gives me sec- gives me pause because Joe this versus daughter, Darian. This daughter is so hard on Joe. Calling him a fuck up. Cussing be, at him. So to be honest, won't accept his ice cream even. So to be honest with you, uh, you hear Jimmy say, "Hey man, lay off the kid." I'm just thinking, oh no, he's giving, he's letting her get off easy. If I had talked to my dad like that, every single curse word he would be counting, and then when I was done, he'd be like, 10. Not like that, but <laughs> even Jimmy tries to be nicer, and she's like, "What's what are those numbers on the back of your head?" And he's like. I'm going to go in the kitchen. You clearly want to be alone. Like she's Which is weird because at the end of the scene, she gets an autograph from him. That's a very heartwarming scene, actually. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, This is supposed to be like a bonding scene where they find more of their backgrounds out. Yeah, Jimmy uh, although, originally had a kid. Although there's an awkward thing also where like we see the wife come out of the room and she walks back in the room, right? And then Jimmy and Joe sit down and Jimmy Lolly's like, so are you going to get a divorce? Like... That seemed kind of awkward, the wife being right there in the room. But, okay, Jimmy, whatever. But, uh, so we get Jimmy's backstory. He had a wife. He had a kid. The kid's name was Alex, which is where the name Alex, the whatever profession he would have had. The, on, the, only, re, the only thing about this scene is that I know that this is the only way to find out about it. But, all right, he's a famous football player, right? So I feel like this story would have already been known, and especially... Bruce Willis' character apparently is actually a big fan of his. Right. So you'd think he, he would... would have already known... This would have been in the newspapers on TV that this famous football player had this happen to his family. Yeah, so, so, so it's kind of like an awkward thing. Like, they, this is the only way for the audience to know it. But... So maybe what we could have We had, have to remember he's a celebrity. So. so maybe what we could have had is Bruce Willis finally looking at him and say, you know, see, after being with his family, he looks at Jimmy and goes, by the way, I'm sorry about your family. Yeah, but there's some weird dynamic, too, where Bruce Willis never actually tells him that he's a fan of his. Mm-hmm. His daughter has to reveal to him, like, hey, you were his hero. Like, Bruce Willis, I don't know if it's, like, ego or pride with that. He doesn't want to tell him, like, hey, I actually know I followed your career. I was a fan stuff like that. So so how about we get also to probably my favorite scene that Damon Wayne has done in this movie. Wayne's. My favorite scene is Damon Wayne. Damon Wayans. <laughs> Why can't you pluralize his last name? Why can't you say Labyrinth? That is not the same. <laughs> one thing is extremely difficult. One thing's very easy, all right? Anyways, all right. Anyway, so point. get Jimmy about to take some pills in Joe's house, and Joe 
punches him square in the face. I got to say, I understand why he did it, but I felt like a little bit of an overreaction. Well, that and... The, the fact that the dude in the previous scene is reminiscing about his dead wife and child, you can kind of see where... If, he, if he's already taking drugs, that that would have triggered him to go take drugs. Well, even in the earlier scene where they first met, Joe even said that, I know you're addicted. To, you lost your career because you were addicted to drugs. You're, I believe it was Demerol. Yeah. The, Joe walking in the bathroom, like, acting like this was some big betrayal to him or something, punching him in the face. And I'm like, and by the way, I'm like, dude, like, it's not like Joe himself is like some, like, captain. Right. He's not a do-gooder, so... <laughs> This doesn't make sense. The other thing that I want to mention about the Damian Wayne's backstory that's kind of hard to believe a little bit is so you're telling me that both of his girls that he's loved have been like murdered or something like that or just died like prematurely? That seems like almost like way more traumatic than what his personality is. Sounds like they're trying to make Jimmy into Riggs. Yeah, but but this this is twice as bad though. Oh, they're saying it, they're saying that the mother of his child died, and now his new girlfriend just got killed. Also, well, remember, and with Lethal Weapon, Riggs's wife was killed before we, you know, eventually see him. Yeah, and then in Lethal Weapon Two, the woman he was about to get that he was get, he actually got with that he was falling for later dies as well. So in a sense, it could be the same thing as with this yeah, one. Yeah, but except this one did it in one movie. <laughs> but I feel like. What's weird is too, I feel like I feel like Jimmy's character is still like in his twenties. I'm assuming from some of the sounds of it, I'm assuming a late twenties or early thirties. Yeah, I think maybe I know Damon Wayne himself with this movie is like still in his twenties, actually. Mm. So I, I assume the cause he's cause in the movie he's still talking about going back and playing football. So he's still like relatively young and active. So I'm just like That's a lot for like someone saying his twenties. You're telling me that that happened to his family, and his new girlfriend just got killed. That's like, my God! Like this dude's, this is a way bigger tragedy for him than the movie's hinting at, even. So yeah, the Joe, the Joe Jimmy breakup scene, in my opinion, is probably one of the best acted that Jimmy's he, has done in this movie. Because he has a great speech he gives. <laughs> Joe doesn't sell at all. It's just like, it's kind of e- the tension's eased up when he goes outside, and the daughter's like, "Yeah, he'll get over it. Uh-huh. You're his favorite player." <laughs> Which Joe, which Jimmy gets thrown off a bridge, and Joe gets kidnapped by our first introduction to Milo. Throwing him off the bridge is supposed to kill him. <laughs> yeah, but but he lands awkwardly on a car where which should have killed him. Well, if not, like his back absorbed the oh. brunt of it. He <laughs> should be paralyzed. He has some serious back problems. But dude just gets up, and is like, ah, don't worry, folks, I'm okay. I'm a professional. I'm gonna pass out now. Um, well, how incompetent are you if you're the bad guys and you're throwing them off a bridge? Just throw them onto the ground. How do you throw them onto a car? That's just right. incompetent. Well, so uh, we finally meet Milo, which I was trying the entire first watch because because I've only watched this movie twice now. My entire first watch, I was trying to figure out where I recognize this guy from because I knew I know his face. It's kind of a unique face. It's kind of a weird way he talks. His voice is definitely familiar to me. And I finally figured it out. I have no idea. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, season one Christmas special. He was the shop owner that was originally going to give them a very small box of ornaments before Will Smith hands it back and goes, we're going to go somewhere that's very, very dope. Does not ring a bell. 
<laughs> Very. But I'm not as big of a Fresh Prince fan as you are. So how dare you, sir? Um, it's literally the episode Will was trying to get Ashley into the Christmas spirit. It was still in their first house before the living room freaking changed on us. I <laughs> I remember the theme music. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, okay, I gotta say, hey, <laughs> I gotta say. Um, it's very unique to really introduce the, the villain this far into the movie, but the dude comes in and has like a strong presence. Yeah, he just straight up cattle prods his ass. <laughs> cattle prods Joe. And he's like killing cops like it's nothing. I love the, I lo- I love the line he gives. He go, the cop comes up and goes, <laughs> uh, is, is there, there a problem? problem? He's like, yeah, I seem to have too many bullets in this gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I've never heard that line before. That's so funny. That was, I don't think any, to be honest with you, I don't think anyone else could pull that line off as well as this guy. Yeah, but this movie gives no fucks. Like, like killing a cop in broad daylight on the street like that? Like, no pause? Damn. And also, the fact that all these cops now, because it was Hollenbeck's gun, assumes Hollenbeck did it, though in an earlier scene, we find out that, that, that Hollenbeck's neighbor is watching the house. Yeah, there's, there's always snitches in every neighborhood. So you would so. think that they HOA. Would, you would think they would go talk to that neighbor and be like, did you see what happened here? Did you see Hollenbeck actually kill this guy? Because we know you're spying on him because of his hot wife. Yep. They did not. At least hopefully his hot wife and not the little girl. You dirty bastard. Let's talk about Jimmy and the daughter. <laughs> Jimmy wants to follow the bad guys, but the problem is the daughter wants to tag along. So the way the daughter also finds out where Jimmy's at is, you know, his, her father is a detective. So she kind of picked up a few things. Yeah, but he was also very sloppy and leaving trail, leaving clues behind. So, yeah, well, she still picked it up. Oh yeah, but she the pro- knew to rub a pencil across, and it gets the thing he wrote down on it. Yeah, the problem is, is dangerous stuff, and she won't get her ass out the car. She re- she refuses to not. She has to go along with the mission. So I swear, she killed. She almost killed Jimmy. Even cl- she's the one who almost kills Jimmy over the villains. She kept pointing the damn gun at his face. Yeah. Bullet on trigger, and come to find out that gun was freaking loaded. And what's funny is everything he says, he's being very serious, and she keeps laughing at his ass. She's like, just drive the car. <laughs> like, acting like he's a loser. Like, she's like, you fucking loser, drive the car. Like, she's like laughing stuff off and giggling, and I'm just like, this is so, I don't know why. If it wasn't Daniel Harris, I might find it annoying. But just knowing, like, her from the other movies, like, it's just hilarious to watch her so, be so animated. So me... I probably would have slapped this little girl for pointing that fucking gun at me. <laughs> not only does not slap her, but he takes her along with her. And, um, Which she's the, the one that ends up saving the day. Yeah, but again, <laughs> that's hilarious in the woods. My favorite part of the movie, baby, is uh, <laughs> Damon Wayne's being like, Jesus, is everybody here, is everybody here stupid? <laughs> he slammed his head down. And Bruce was like, just you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every single time Jimmy actually gets his because he says something, he tries yeah. to say something that sounds smart, but... And then and Bruce is like, scared? He's like, shitless. is like, you? <laughs> More or less. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Daniel Harris just shows up, gives him the puppet where he starts making fun of Milo. Now, wait a minute. The logistics there there's a gun there, right? He's holding, right? Yes. How the hell is he holding the gun and still controlling the puppet? 
He has full control of the puppet as a puppeteer, but there's a gun in his hand that has to be wrapped uh, around. Um, no, yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, for being a non-puppeteer, that's pretty impressive, uh, Joe. Uh, Holding back, I mean. Yeah, well, it still gets the job done. They kill most of the bad guys, minus two, at least until after this car chase where only Milo survives. Uh, there's one. There's one scene we should talk about that real quick that we we, we missed um, at the pool. Um, oh no, we we just got to that pool. Not that pool though, the indoor pool. Oh, where we first were, Marcone. There's another very annoying henchman who keeps <laughs> punching him in the face, keeps punching Joe in the face, and keeps saying, "Oh, boom!" And then, yeah. And then Joe puts his nose into his brain. Well, well, this is when we first get the line, "Touch me again, I kill you," which would become the iconic line of the movie. Because he's pretty much always spot on when he says, touch me again, I'll kill you. <laughs> but one hit, breaks the guy's nose, shoves his nose back in his brain. And the guy dies. And Milo's just sitting there laughing. He goes, you're full of surprises, Joe. He's just, and the guy, and he goes, yeah, what if my friend over there would have killed you? If he wanted to kill me, I'd be dead already. Oh, that is true. It's like, but, then he, but then Milo breaks the cardinal sin too. Touch me again, I'll kill you. Boom, hits him. But he doesn't kill him right away. It's going to be a long, yeah, a long draw for that. Yep. It's going to be the end of the day by the time he gets that promise in. But so we get this chase scene, basically, uh, this fun car chase scene. That ends up in a pool. Which, <laughs> which, you know, you had to feel so bad about this homeowner. <laughs> Thinking about what happens to him and how the chain of events. He's having a nice, relaxing day by the pool, drinking orange juice, reading the newspaper, probably has plans for a nice evening lunch with his, his girlfriend random car falls in his pool burning car falls in his pool and the guys come bruce willis and Dave wayne's come and hey give us your car and he's like no and they think, I, I lo- he thinks about it, he's like eh, no, okay all right he doesn't think about it no what i love is he's like hey give us your car no give us a car i shoot the girl what dad <laughs> be quiet i just love how he doesn't even hesitate he just points the gun right at his daughter but the guy's hilarious. The guy's like, uh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Go ahead and take my car. But then fucking Milo comes and kills this dude. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Hey, Ma- hey, uh, hey, Milo, where are you calling from? The bottom of the pool? It's like, do you got to kill the guy? Jesus. <laughs> um, then we get their second chase scene with the bodyguards. Yep. Because they have a bomb. And... Jimmy has a funny idea of I'll draw I'll just draw the bomb the picture. What is that an apple with lines? <laughs> he's gonna what do you say? He's something like he's gonna think that you're something about fruit. And like oh man, <laughs> just so much fun dialogue. And Jesus. then apparently B O M means fuck you in Polish, <laughs> which is why he starts shooting at him. Yeah, and unfortunately Milo has kidnapped um, Daniel D- Harris, Darian, and, and she's still cursing him out. And I gotta admit, this part of the movie is where I think, from here going forward, is the weaker part of the movie. I feel like the movie is kind of peaked in terms of the fun. The rest of the movie is not going to be as fun for me, at least. So we get a we get to the Coliseum. They which fresh off watching the fan, I just want nothing to do with this <laughs> backdrop to the end of a movie. After watching the fan, I'm like, I do not need to see a climax take place in a stadium again for at least the next five years. Oh, then you don't want to watch Gladiator, do you? Oh, well, no. Too bad. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get this, and that's more paint by numbers. I mean, you do have this fun scene with Marcone. Mm. Um, 
where he shoots Jimmy, shoots Jimmy, uh, and also Darian talks a lot of shit to Marcone. And he pistol whips Joe, and we get like a, a replay of the the earlier scene with the, with the C four in the car in the trunk. Yeah, kind of the same thing now, but Damon Wayans does it this time. So, um, and but yeah, but other than that, eh, you want to. Talk well, about the ending a little bit, but it's yeah. Kinda... So let's get to the ending. So pretty much after we get our big gunfight, kills all the bad guys except one. Milo's still alive. Marcone grabs the wrong briefcase, and well, let's talk about the epic throw from Jimmy. Also, oh yeah. So Jimmy, because this is a point of contention of what the fuck happened here. So here now the movie was edited weird at this point. I don't know if it was a save on time or because they really did not want people to know what the fuck happened first thing for some reason jimmy's on a horse <laughs> but, okay that's because he was running from both cops because and gary because he did pull a gun on gary right after gary attacked him um yeah so he's running on a horse he's screaming at the senator to sit down even though from there of course the senator ain't going to hear that because there's all this cheering going on right everyone sees jimmy on a horse so they're all cheering that jimmy's back so finally, Jimmy throws the football. He throws the football. As Milo sh- is sh- going to shoot the governor. And the football. So this Intercepts is where, the bullet? Or so this what? is where the uh, editing gets wonky. Because there's a very, very small second where you see the football actually hit the senator in the face, making the senator back up. But apparently around that same time, the bullet... Blows up the football where... What the hell, man? Which, with the editing, if you literally blink, all you see is the football exploding. So you're thinking, did that football really just intercept a rifle bullet? Well, if it did, Jimmy is literally (laughs) the best quarterback in the history of humankind and also won the Avengers. Which, but the very next time you see Baynard... After the football explodes, he's bleeding from his nose, which tells me, no, that football actually hit him square in the face. But that football hit him in the face, I think he'd be dead. I don't know. (laughs) Which also, to throw that high and that far... And be that accurate? I don't think any any football player, professional-wise, can do that throw. No, when they filmed it, even Damon Williams was probably like... This shit is ridiculous. <laughs> You're telling me I'm throwing this ball from the horse and it actually connects? It, it blocks the bullet? <laughs> that shit's ridiculous. So now we get our final confrontation between Milo and Joe. In which case, you know, I'm sorry. Everyone knows Milo should not be a physical threat in the sense of a knife. Yeah, he should have just I, stuck with his cattle prop. Yeah, this was a miscalculation to have a physical final confrontation between Joe, who has basically been built up as the ultimate badass. Right. Versus Milo, who is more of a let my henchman do the dirty work. And, you know, I'll, I'll shoot, I'll do, I'll use guns, but no, I'm not buying him having any chance. I don't care if he has 11 knives and Bruce Willis is using his bare hands. I'm not buying so, him taking out Bruce Willis. First, the first issue I have with this fight scene very loosely added, um, is he throws the damn gun to Bruce to give him a weapon. Why, Milo? Why, Milo? Why? I understand Milo's out of bullets at this point. So he has no choice but to go physically because there's nowhere to run. But uh, you'd think a gun with a longer reach would have been better to use 
than this little pixie knife that he pulls out. Yes. Which he does get a stab off on Bruce, but again, instead of following through with a few punches to the face, he just sits there with trying to pull the knife back out of his leg. Yes. Hey, Milo, I know you don't know how to fight and all, but uh, there's a few things you did wrong here. <laughs> I don't think that advice is going to help him going forward because <laughs> no. he's a dead man right about now. So. Yeah, so uh, Bruce punches him a couple times, kicks him out of the way, and all the cops start shooting the shit out of him. This is not the most exciting ending. And Joe dancing. <laughs> Remember, I, he said I, if he gets out of this life, he'll do a jig. Yeah, but... I would have probably left that out of the script. It just seemed awkward when he actually does the dancing. So, Oh, by the way, uh, so Baynard is trying to throw Joe in jail, so Joe tells him, face her gut. Unappreciative bastard the governor is after they saved his life. So he punches both face and gut. He deserved it. Yep. And poor Marcone took the wrong briefcase back to his home. Poor dogs. I don't care about Marcone, but those dogs, all they wanted yeah. to do was be loved. This cruel to the animals, right? I didn't think about that. This movie's dark. <sighs> Poor Dobermans. It's always funny that when the, the bad guy blows up and the good guys get to really laugh at him. <laughs> right. It's kind of awkward, but it's just like... I like, mean, everyone else is just even wondering the, even what the, the hell happened. Even the wife starts laughing. I don't, I don't think she understands what happened. No, she she's like, what? But, I get, but remember, laughing's contagious. Um, They're laughing at... The people, the guy and the dogs died. They don't know about the dogs, yeah, but not the dogs, but the guy. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we get our final ending, where it leaves off with a sequel bait, and that well, we'll never get. Basically, Joe asks Jimmy, "Hey, I'm think looking for a partner," and they go over the rules about that, and yeah, yeah. it looked it, like they were clearly gonna do their own lethal weapon type series. So. Which, to be honest, I'm. Kind of, I'm fine with it. This is a fun, most movies do not need sequels. It's a nice little one-off. Yeah, if there was a sequel, it probably would have somehow messed things up. Anyways. Well, all the things I've read about the sequel is it was dark. There was not a lot of comedy, which turned Damon off from it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've, I've never heard, um, it'd be nice to actually hear Damon speak about this movie. Um, the, what I read basically was that everybody making this had a, such a horrible experience for whatever reason. Huh. Uh, Joel Schumacher said it was in his top three worst experiences on set for any movie. Um, him, him and Tony Scott had worked together many times before this, but they never worked with each other again. And then both Shane Black and Tony Scott both said they were disappointed in the final product because it, st- it um, went too far away from the original script. Which we don't know what that was. I wonder but it what was Danielle dark. Harris thinks of this movie. Oh, she said it's one of her favorite roles. It's one of her favorite roles because she of all had the- an interview from 2018 <laughs> where she said it's one of her favorite roles. <laughs> because think about think about all her movies. Like, where does she get to do as much as she does here? She gets to have fun with this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Halloween movies is her just being scared and running around and stuff. But this, she gets to like laugh and cuss and do all kinds of fun stuff. So you fucking asshole! You're a fucker. Anyway, let's get into categories. So, best performance. Daniel Harris. Um, That's the only correct answer. No. I actually think, <laughs> and this is a first because, you know, we've been doing this Bruce Willis retrospective, but he's never actually gotten best performance. But in this specific case, I think this role is tailor-made for Bruce Willis. And all his strengths in terms of his comedic timing... His dry humor, 
His sarcasm are perfectly used here. I'm going to go with Bruce Willis. He delivers his lines with so much zest and so much fun, nonchalant, doesn't give a fuck. Like, All right, so my real choice, because, you know, me saying Daniel Harris, I like her as an actress, but she, she's she, was, she was funny, but she wasn't the best for me. And it was just because of the one scene. The I'm giving it to Damon. That's fair. Just because of the one scene, that one scene honestly was probably my favorite scene. It's also my favorite scene when we do favorite scenes. Okay. Because it shows so much depth for the character in that one scene that we don't get really get to see throughout the movie. Yeah. That it really does feel like an actual character over instead of just a comic relief. Maybe both these guys, maybe their whole thing is that they have so much pain inside that they're, they just use comedy to mask it because everything they say is basically a one-liner, a quip, pretty much. And maybe that's to protect themselves from thinking about their traumatic... They both have traumatic backgrounds in a way, so... Worst performance. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm giving it to a side character named Mick. He was the cop that okay. shook Bruce Willis's hand. And it's mainly because they built this character up with the few scenes that he was going to either help him out or he's going to be the one of the biggest obstacles he had. And yet all they do is let him get him killed with probably the best one liner ever. Yeah. I was going to say the governor. Baynard. Yeah. Everything I didn't buy. I think it's, I think he's using a fake accent in the movie for one thing. For some but. reason he looks so familiar to me. But also, he does this weird like lip thing where he's showing his front teeth, almost like how Billy Bob Thornton does yeah. his him, facial expressions. Him and Marcone both didn't do it for me. I feel like Milo was a great villain, but Marcone and the governor both nah, kind of fell flat for me. All right. Well, I've already mentioned what my favorite scene is. So what's your favorite scene? Uh, man, for me, it's probably, honestly... Like the the scene where they shoot the trunk and the C4 in there. I just, that scene always, I, I remember that I, I, I've already gone back and watched that scene on YouTube twice. Like, just to like, because it's so, the dialogue is so funny for me. All right, so worst scene. So the, we got pretty much a full 30 minutes to choose from with this. The whole The whole ending to me just loses its fun and becomes kind of generic action movie in the last 15 minutes. So I'm giving, I'm going to give it to Jimmy's ball throw just because the way it was edited yeah. just looked so weird and so awkward that it literally looks like the football intercepts the bullet when a bullet would go straight through. It was so ridiculous. I wonder, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, I wonder if it worked better if instead of that, he threw the football at Milo who has the gun. At that point, it still would have made some damn sense. Because then the only thing you have to do visually is just show the football hit the rifle and knock it out of Milo's hands. And it's the same aim, basically. He's just doing that. That has less problems than it has to stop the bullet from hitting well, the governor. I guess to be fair, going after Milo would not have been the same because he had, would have had all those lights beating down. He would have been looking right at all those lights beating down on him. He wouldn't have got a clear shot at Milo. He wouldn't have even seen where Milo was exactly. At least the yeah. senator he could see. I just wish it was edited differently to show the football physically hit the senator better than what we got. 
It was literally a one second clip. And it's it's impossible to show what they're trying to show there. Right. Think about it like they're filming. Like okay, so he's gonna try to shoot, but we want the football to hit the governor. Or inter- like that's an impossible scene to film. To be fair, I can't even make sense of it in my head how it would go. So yeah, but still, um, it's just because of how it was edited and filmed. Ed, I'm giving it to the throw I, football throw. I wouldn't try. I would have figured out a different way to do it. <laughs> um, is there anything I would have changed or would it like more? Ooh, what would I have changed? Honestly, the final confrontation with Bruce Willis and Milo. I would have changed it to something that fits Milo's character better. Yeah, Milo should be more getting blown up or something when his plan fails. Or not the, physically fighting. I mean, I'm fine with a physical fight, but give it, make it to where he has the damn cattle prod and is beating Bruce Willis with it a couple of times, or you have him keep the damn gun in his hand. Some, because either way, Joe still would have been able to easily intercept it, and it would have proved true with Milo because he had no more rounds to use. He yeah. wouldn't have been able to shoot him. There's no getting down. Yeah, I would have changed all the scenery. There's, there's something about the stadium where, like, the lighting there just sucks. So it, the lighting for the whole ending of the movie looks like trash. It's hard to follow what's going on, actually. It's just, it's just a... I would just set the whole different location differently for the ending. And it was probably supposed to be on... It was supposed to be on water, like on a boat or something. But then, you know, again, too many cooks in the kitchen. They changed the whole scene. So. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Stop putting too many cooks in the kitchen. Yes. Well, and it makes sense. Maybe the governor was on his boat or it's like instead of like being on a game. So... All right, so what are your final thoughts, my guy? You know, the ending brings the movie down a little bit, but the dialogue is aged so well. For the movie being 30 years old, for that dialogue to still be so fun and snappy, and nothing about the dialogue is like... like, Because the truth is the star of this movie is probably really Shane Black's script. Because it's kind of a generic story, but the humor and the dialogue is so snappy and so catchy that it kind of elevates it beyond like a generic whatever. Kind of similar to Lethal Weapon, maybe without the good writing would have been probably pretty generic also. Um, so, and then, um, yeah, Bruce Willis and Dame Waynes are a fun combination together. They have a lot of chemistry. They have a fun, fun, fun connection there. Um, the action itself, pretty generic action. No, there's really no great action scenes, per se. Um, fun, but not really any great action scenes. Maybe the car falling into the pool is pretty pretty epic. I forgot to mention one thing. Yeah. During the uh, bodyguard chasing, when Bruce Willis got out of the car to chase him down on foot, did you notice that that was definitely not Bruce Willis doing the jumping off the bridge scenes? Yes. <laughs> like he grew some hair, he shaved his face. Yeah, if you there's some there's a lot of scenes in the Die Hard movies where you can tell it's not Bruce Willis. <laughs> um, but um, I'm gonna still go three stars. I just think that if you don't enjoy the movie, then you probably just don't have a sense of humor. Like if you want very straightforward action without comedy then maybe this wouldn't be your cup of tea. Just watch but, the raid at that point. Yeah, but if you like... If you like Lethal Weapon, you probably like this, and most people like Lethal Weapon. So that's kind of an extension of... It's the same writer, the same style of humor, and the movie has a very high rewatchability. 
All right, so for me, this time I'm going to do something a little different with my overall rating since Vic wants to point out that I'll say only positives and then give a low score. <laughs> so this time I'm going to separate them. So what I liked about this movie was the characters. Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans was fun to watch. They're happy. I said it plurally. Um, <laughs> for the first time. They were fun to watch. They were a fun dynamic together. They actually made the movie real well. The action scenes, that's more in the middle. They were, they were fun, but as Vic brought up, they were generic. You know, there's nothing they've done in this movie that any other movie hasn't done already. The storyline, so-so, but I, what I do like is the comedy, the dialogue, mixed with all the dark tensions to it, and then both these actors have to show the range of drama drama to be able to make this work make us care about these characters but what i did not like about this movie overall was honestly it just felt like a watered down version of lethal weapon i as much as i like these characters i didn't like them as much as murtaugh and riggs and it felt like that's what i was supposed to be watching at the same time the i, I wonder if there was um I wonder if some of his Lethal Weapon 2 script made it into It probably this. So. And then also there, the whole ending scene, it was lackluster compared to what we got. I was Even though I knew who the soldier villain was in this, I still felt like there was going to be some kind of fight scene, and I didn't get that. I'm sorry, in these movies, I want to see a fight. I didn't get a fight. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> and then the football thing, that's... That's just out of nowhere. No one liked Gary. No one liked the cops because cops don't do anything. Nope. And one more like I got about this movie is there's too many bullets in this gun. That was his problem. Yeah. So with all that said, good rewatchability, nice fun movie to sit down, watch, pop some popcorn, enjoy yourself. So I'm going to give it a high two and a half. Uh, Next week we're doing Cop Out. Yes. Which will be, for now at least, our final movie of this current Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis retrospective. This will be Nick's pick, and I've never seen it. So I'm... I've seen it once. I'm somewhat excited to see what this movie has in store for me. Did I tell you who the other actor was in this? Eddie Murphy? Tracy Morgan. Oh, shit. Did I tell you the third actor? Sean William Chad Scott. Chad Michael Murray. Sean William Scott. Oh, well, okay. I don't mind Sean William Scott. He has about maybe a 10-minute role. All right, well, we'll see. We'll see how Cop Out fares. I mean, so far, I've given three stars to all the Bruce Willis movies so far. Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and now this. Well, I got to go back. Maybe Sixth Sense, I gave two and a half stars. So I don't know. You're I, too nice to Bruce. I think I gave six, three stars. Nick, meanwhile, refuses to give three stars ever again to any movie. You're damn right. I'm <laughs> back to being nitpick Nick. Maybe we can reassess Repo and get your thoughts now in nitpick mode. I think maybe you bring it down to one star. No. I, I really think maybe you would. No, I wouldn't. Um, I love that movie too much. Yeah. I think I was already too harsh on that movie. No. That movie should have been a four star. You gave it like three and a half, I think. Uh, that movie should have been a four star, but I only gave it, I believe, a two and a half, maybe three. We three were... for, four for my personal happiness, but then I gave it three because... You know, audiences may not like it. So you should give it a one <laughs> for the audiences in a No, because it's style. still a cult classic, which means there's a good amount of people who still love this movie. Anyways, folks, once again, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll be back next week with Cop Out. 
Appreciate all your support so far. And Nick, do you have any last thoughts for this week? Yes, I do. Remember, you don't have to go home, but you do have to go to either Iowa, Florida, or the other state so you can get me some hard Mountain Dew and mail it to Virginia. Thank you, and good luck should you accept the mission. If you don't, then I guess you're not Tom Cruise. Those were the worst worst final thoughts ever given. All right, folks, it's about that time to go home, get some nuggets, and go to sleep. That's my plan. I hope you guys have a fun night. C'est la vie. Take care. Feliz Navidad.